Welcome to episode 12 of the Fire the Family podcast. I am Nick, and again, I am so thankful that you're listening to this episode. Uh, If you're on your commute to work, if you're taking the kids to daycare, uh, if you're at the gym getting your pump on, if you're on an airplane or about to board an airplane, thank you so much. Uh, Whatever else you may be doing while listening to podcasts, sometimes I listen to it when I shampoo the carpets. You know, it's one of those things. Um, I hope that you enjoy this format. I don't know if you've listened to some of the past episodes, but I really enjoy just being able to sit back, talk about recent blog posts that I put up on the website, firethefamily.com, kind of go on a rant or a tangent about it, and it's really off the cuff, unscripted, so to speak. I mean, I have some talking points, but nothing too crazy. I know myself, when I listen to podcasts, um, I listen to a lot of Pat Flynn, been listening to him a lot for the last few months. Um, it's really been a big, big part of um, the content I've been putting on the website. It's a lot of things that I've learned from him, and I've been, I've been doing this stuff for almost a decade. Um, whether it's blogging or creating video content, or um, you know, podcasting is fairly new for me. Um, but uh, just always learning, and just it's, it's never, it's never over. So. And with that being said, um, I like this format, and I, I, I look to improve my my processing and the quality as we go on. But I think the format's largely going to stay uh, a lot like this. Um, so let's get right into the topic of the uh, evening for me at the time of recording. It's eight thirty tonight. Um, I got home. Uh, from work, I cooked dinner. We had tacos tonight, which we have at least twice a week. Um, helped clean up the house. We're going out of town tomorrow. Um, helped vacuum and uh, you know mopped and did some chores. And then uh, the boys went to bed. I wrote a blog post on the website, and now I'm uh, doing the podcast. So this is kind of my time to work um, after I already did my full-time job as an account manager uh, in, a, in the software industry. Uh, but the topic of the night, how recessions help the fire movement. Um, if you're on this blog I ho- or this podcast, I hope that you know what the FIRE movement is. It's financial independence, retire early. It's the idea that, well, you need to be financially independent if you ever want to retire, really. So it's really just the idea of reaching retirement, uh, either at you know the time you want to retire or earlier. And the majority of Americans aren't even on track to retire at the age of 65. Uh, so as long as, you know, even if you're not going to retire early, all these concepts are just the same as what you should probably do in order to retire as it is. And they're just, you know, age old tips, words of wisdom, philosophies, concepts that are just so simple, um, but really hard to execute on because it goes against kind of consumerism, uh, marketing and, and everything that goes into our psychological behavior when it comes to spending the money that we work so hard to accumulate. Uh, so we're going to talk about recessions. Why? Because there is probably, statistically, a recession around the corner. Whether that's 2020, 2021, or 2024, I don't know. I know that one is coming because they're cyclical. They happen often, um, and they last for, you know, on average, I think, 15, 14, 15 months. The Great Recession lasted for 18 months, roughly. And they just are, it's something that occurs in the market because the market you know, is a cyclical beast. It goes up, it goes down. The economy grows, it goes through times of expansion, and it goes through times of contraction or goes down. It has to do that to be an efficient market. So to better understand the point of a recession, it's kind of uh, imperative to understand why it, it does this. Um, and it really does this based on human emotion. So the market is made up of 
Um, a market is made when somebody is buying and somebody is selling you know, a share of a company and multiply that across all the companies, all the available shares that are out there and all the people that are investing and all the institutions that are investing on behalf of the people and it just scales to a massive amount. So what happens is you have, let's just look at the individual. You have, you know, John Smith with, you know, a share of company XYZ and you have another person with, that wants to buy shares of company XYZ. The price of that company is only worth what person is willing to pay for it and what John is willing to sell it for. So if John uh, wants to sell it for $10 a share and the person wants to buy it for $8 a share, nothing happens. A trade is not executed. A market is not made. As soon as they can come to an agreement, whether John wants to lower his price to $8 or they meet in the middle at $9 or you know whatever ends up happening, is once they can agree on a price, then a transaction occurs and a market is made. And that's why they call people uh, that, that help facilitate that market makers. They make the market. And so what happens in an uh, expansion economy, when the economy is going up, or like we've been doing for the last 10 years or so, the longest bull run in history of the economy, um, is that the people are willing to pay a premium or more than uh, you know, what the person is willing to sell it for. And so what happens is that person is able to sell it at a much higher price um, than they were asking. And so this allows the, you know, drives the price of the commodity up. There's a shortage. There's more people buying than there are selling, however you want to look at it. That doesn't make sense really when you think about it because for every transaction there's a buyer and a seller. But that's how people like to think about it. When there's a, a downturn in the market, when there's a recession, uh, people are willing to spend a lot less on that company. Um, and really when you're buying a company, you're buying the earnings, you're buying the potential growth, you're buying you know, whatever potential product they may be coming out with, you're buying their future profits, whatever reason you're buying the company. When the company's going down, uh, you're willing to spend a lot less because the, you know, the, the potential growth of that company is hampered because the market as a whole is going down. So all that is to say is that the market goes up and the market goes down. Sometimes companies are priced higher than their fundamental value. Sometimes companies are priced at lower their fundamental value. And that's just kind of the, the nature of the beast. In the book, The Intelligent Investor, which I re also recently put a post out um, because this book completely changed my life. It was a huge, I want to say turning point because I wasn't really headed in any direction. But when I was 20, 21 years old, I read The Intelligent Investor. I don't know why. I was interested in the stock market. I read about it on the internet and I probably bought it through somebody's Amazon affiliate link and I purchased the book, a hard copy paperback. And I have read the book probably four or five times. I should read it every year. Um, but I've ref referred back to it uh, probably every six months. It's such a great book. So much knowledge contained in those pages. And it's written by a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Graham, who at one point had built a fortune in the stock market, lost it all in the, in the Great Depression, and then uh, effectively built it all back up. He was the mentor of uh, Warren Buffett, and he's often uh, forgotten about by people that aren't in the um, financial independence community. Um, a lot of people just, you know, lean on Warren Buffett and everything he says, but uh, there's other people at play in uh, the success of Warren Buffett. With that being said, The Intelligent Investor contains within it a parable, one of the most, probably one of the most popular financial parables that's ever been written, other than maybe the, 
the richest man in Babylon, but um, it is about Mr. Market. And Mr. Market is a story about an emotional man who offers a price for shares of companies every day. He allows his enthusiasm and fear to affect the price that he's willing to pay. So he shows up at your doorstep every day with a price and you know says, hey, I'm willing to pay this much. Or, well, if you want to buy this share of uh, this company from me, you need to pay this much. This is the price that I require you to pay if I am to share, uh, sell this share to you. And so he doesn't care if you capitalize on his mood swings at all. So some days he's going to show up and he's going to be just enthusiastic. He's going to be like, bro, I've got the hottest stock for you. I've got the hottest company for you. This is what they're doing. They're in cannabis. They're, you know, also in Bitcoin and they're just off the hook. And, you know, that's, you know, he'll, he's just going to fill your mind for all these things. Like they're doing, doing so many great things. This is what it costs though. And it's going to be a premium. It's going to be expensive, but he's pretty good at sales and he'll probably convince you to buy into it. Right. Anyway, so that's the price that he's going to set that day. He might show up the next day or even later that day. The next time he shows up, it's very possible that he could be just, you know, in the dumps. He could be sweating. He could be upset. He could possibly even be rolled up in the fetal position crying, saying, I don't know what I was talking about. This company sucks. This company is, you know, has terrible earnings. They're doing this. They're doing that. Their CEO is getting fired, whatever reason. Um, they put a tweet out that was not happy. They support the president or whatever, whoever, whatever it may be. Uh, he might just be you know, the exact opposite of enthusiastic that day. And he's going to offer you a price. And that price could be very low, very, very low. And so human emotion is to buy when he's enthusiastic and he's selling and peddling it to you like it's the, you know, the cure to cancer and to not buy or even sell when he is like just in the dumps and super upset. Well, Mr. Market is obviously a reflection of the, the total market and so, um, or any, any company within the market. Um, and so you have to realize that it's based off human emotion and what happens, uh, what happens with human emotion is the extremes. They, they, these pendulum swings from extreme to extreme. It goes from extreme enthusiasm to extreme depression. Uh, and that could be at a moment's notice. It could be over the long term. It could be um, any interval, really, at all. And it could be on the sh on the short term. It could be you know every hour. On the long macro macro term, it could be every year. It doesn't um, it doesn't really matter. It scales either way. It goes up and it goes down on a minute, hourly, um, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, decade basis. So there's lots of ways to break the market down. Uh, so that delta between the true value of the price that Mr. Market offers you uh, could be extreme. You know, it could be that there's, there's the true value of the company. Maybe it's $5 a share. Maybe that's the true fundamental value. Mr. Market may offer you $10 a share. He may offer you $1 a share, just depending on what mood he's in. So it's up to you to capitalize on those mood swings. So we're not talking about timing the market because I am against that. I don't believe in timing the market. I believe in dollar cost averaging because that's what math and history and statistics tell us is one of the best routes to achieve success in the, in the stock market is to invest consistently over time. That's dollar cost averaging. No matter the weather, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, um, you invest every month. That isn't to say that if we enter a long downturn that I won't possibly consider increasing my contributions. If I see that, that the total stock market is priced much lower drastically than it was um, a month ago or a few weeks ago or six months ago, 
I may increase my contributions for a few months, maybe maybe three months, maybe six months, maybe a year. It just depends. Um, and as the market recovers back to the levels that it was previously, I may reduce that increase uh, a little bit. I'm not timing the market by any means, but I am I am trying to capitalize a little bit on the fact that there is a discount in the market. And that, I think, is super important uh, to consider. And uh, don't just go all in on one philosophy just because a lot of people and most people in the fire movement will say don't time the market you know, most people say don't time the market don't time a specific stock like yeah we're not day trading we're not swing trading but if i see a trend that is occurring and it's it's pretty easy to see if there's if if at one point the the total stock market let's say vtsax the vanguard total stock market index fund is at a much steep discount compared to what it was I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna buy some more. And one of the reasons is because I believe, and history tells us that the market always recovers. And I'm skipping ahead. If you're following on the blog post by any chance, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But it's just kind of the way the conversation's going. But um, people want to live on either extreme. When we're in a bull market, it's never gonna go down. It's going to go to the moon, is what people say. They yell it from the rooftops, they yell it on stock twits, or if you follow that at all, that's, you wanna talk about toxic social media, stock twits is where that's at. Um, to the moon is what they say, it's never going down. We're gonna just go into a great a golden age of an economy. It's never, ever going down. And then what happens? Market probably corrects, probably goes down sometime in the future. When we're in a bear market, it's never going back up. Uh, it's in the dumps, they shout, they say. So um, people get so sad and fearful and desperate and um, the market's just never going to recover and all these things are wrong with it. And it's the president's fault, no matter who that may be, no matter what party may be in the uh, White House. Um, that's just the, the whole sentiment. And what happens is it probably corrects, it probably goes back up. And uh, we know this because history tells us so. If for some reason the market fails to recover after a depression or recession, recession or depression, um, we have bigger problems. <laughs> okay, so the dollar probably isn't doing very well. Um, we probably are having a hard time finding jobs. Um, if the market never recovers, uh, I don't, we may be, I don't know, being taken over by another company or company country. We may be in a world war. I don't, I don't know. But the, we've gone, the American economy has gone through some tough times and it's, it's recovered from them. Um, so I like to believe that, the, that it's always going to recover. And if it doesn't, then uh, my, the least, probably the least of my worries is going to be uh, my money that I have invested in the stock market. Okay? Um, if you're following the FIRE movement, if you're, if you're wanting to um, achieve financial independence at a time sooner than traditional retirement age of 65, um, you're probably uh, going to be all right if you invest through a recession and you're probably going to be able to reach financial independence even though the economy goes through a recession. And this is, uh, I know this because the majority of people that are achieving FIRE today, the ones I see on Twitter that I interact with, the blogs that I follow, majority of them are in their 40s and 50s, okay? So they're retiring early. Maybe not in their 30s, um, but they're still retiring quite a bit early. And maybe they're not quitting work, right? So they've achieved financial independence. They might have a million and a half in the bank, uh, and they're you know working on passion projects. Maybe continuing to work, whatever. But the ones that are that have achieved financial independence on a you know mostly are in their 40s and 50s, which means 
that they invested and lived through the uh, Great Recession of 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, so that tells me that a lot of them probably capitalized on it. They either expanded into the recession, they bought more, they increased their contributions, maybe they were in the prime of their career during that period, maybe they kept their jobs, um, and maybe the recession you know, scared them into you know, uh, wanting to be more financially uh, independent or not dependent on the government and stuff, so, um, or maybe their prime, primary job. So what that tells me is, is that the majority of people that achieve FIRE today, in the 40s and 50s, they lived through the Great Recession. They invested through it, or they watched it happen. They were working in as a, in a, as an adult during that time period, and so that doesn't stop you from achieving it. If anything, it can it can assist. It can allow you to buy more shares of the total stock market or whatever you're investing in, uh, as long as you know if that's a company or you know hopefully you're diversified and you're buying something like a low-fee index fund or a life cycle fund or some fund. <laughs> um, what that means is that it allows you to buy more of it during a recession. So when the market recovers, you make more money than you would have if you bought at the top and the market went down and, and all that. So um, I should, you shouldn't stop investing if the market's going up and it's on a tear, uh, but you should definitely increase or continue at least uh, investing if the market goes down. So getting a little tangled up there. Hopefully you're following along. So the idea is to buy low and sell never. In a perfect world, I would reach financial independence. I say I did it. And uh, maybe at the age of, well, my goal is the age of 45, once the boys are out of the house. Uh, obviously, I'm going to continue to work. That's a huge misconception with the fire movement. Um, I would like the option to retire early if I would like to or if I have to for health reasons, but um, I don't plan on it. Um, and so the best case scenario is I continue making money into my 50s, um, which for men is largely like the highest earning you know, is your late 40s, early 50s, highest earning potential that you have. And um, with my, you know, earning an MBA and my experience as an account manager in software um, and my drive and really where I see myself going, I want to continue the path and I see myself getting into consulting or getting into um, executive level leadership someday. Um, I don't plan on tapping into my retirement savings. It's, I mean, I, I want to have that there and it's peace of mind and it's something that I can probably hand down to my family, my kids, and hopefully they're taught and brought up the right way to where they know how to handle that. Um, but it's something that it can provide for generations upon generations. And I might, and I might not leave a lasting legacy. Um, this website may not live on. I may not become some sort of iconic figure. I'm definitely not a, trying to do that. Um, but largely, it's probably not going to be remembered past a couple of generations. Um, but what I can do is I can help future um, offspring, future generations in my family tree um, live a more comfortable life, a life where they are not fearful for where their food's going to come from, a life where they aren't fearful about having to depend on the government. And it's something that I can do relatively easy without much sacrifice. I'm not one of those people that are uh, making my family live on pennies and, um, you know, uh, just taking our budget to the minimum, absolute minimum where it hurts. Um, we are, we are scaled back quite a bit. We are saving quite a bit of our income. We're roughly about 30, 25, 30% right now with daycare. And once daycare goes away, we'll be right right close to 50% or more. Um, but we're definitely not, we're definitely not wanting as a family. Um, so the idea is to, to buy low and sell never. And by buying right now, I'm buying low because the economy uh, in 30 years from now, I'm confident will be much higher. So today is buying low compared to the future. If we go into a recession, 
it's buying low compared to the future that I foresee for the market. Um, so it's buy low, sell never. Um, and during a recession, I, I want to make a point here. Fundamentally, companies are really, un- most of them are unchanged. Uh, they may go through some executive changes or some strategy changes. They may scale back on the quality of product. A lot of cars that we see made during the, the Great Recession uh, we used less quality materials. And we all know that those um, car manufacturers went through a really tough time, had to get bailed out, um, and all of that that ensued. Um, but largely, uh, it's kind of been known that those cars were not as quality as the cars that were produced just before the, the Great Recession happening. And um, so we see a reduction in quality, a reduction in spending on new products. We don't see a lot of new things coming out. The kind of things tend to stay flat and companies try to just conserve and consumers are not spending. And so there's just really, there's not a lot of injection of cash into the economy overall. But that's a whole, so have you ever heard of the saying, um, a rising tide you know, lifts all ships or rising tides raise all ships? It's something along those lines. The same, the inverse is true as well. If the tide is going down, all ships on the bay are gonna are gonna go down, um, and that's just how it works. And so, um, while the we may be in the middle of a recession, uh, companies like Disney, company big companies, uh, Apple, Alphabet, uh, Amazon, they're gonna lose value. They're gonna lose a, a lot of value probably, because all companies, the entire stock market's losing value. But does that mean that they're bad investment? No. Does it mean that they're going to go out of business? No, not necessarily. Um, companies don't survive the recession. I don't want you to not think that, but um, I think largely this next recession is going to be the nail in the coffin of retail. People want to say Amazon's killing retail, and it definitely is, um, but I think that it's going to be remembered that whatever we name this next recession, because humans get into the, the habit of naming things like like big storms and Arctic blasts and polar vortexes and uh, hurricanes and we got to give everything a name um, and so we can drive fear in the media and all that stuff so we're gonna I guarantee we're gonna name the next recession that we go into right um, whatever we happen to name that is gonna be what's responsible I believe for um, finally killing retail and we see it happening I, I go to the mall like never and <laughs> we went recently and it was like this pl- I can't believe anything is in business here. We went and bought a stuffed animal from Build-A-Bear. And that was such a terrible experience of just being upsold to for, for 15 minutes while they built our bear. Being upsold to $5 at a time. And it's just, it's obscene. And the, the model is bad. The, and it's not just Build-A-Bear. It's, it's every store in the mall. Like, geez. And um, it's just a dying. You can just tell it's dying. It's this gonna. Be, it, what it needs is a, a death blow. And I think that the next recession is gonna do that. We see GameStop. GameStop's doing terrible. I've been following the stock quite a bit. And there, why would anyone buy anything from GameStop at this point? All games are pretty much digital at this point. Um, you can buy, you know, new used consoles. You can still trade in your consoles. That's largely what the business is anymore. And then two thirds of the store is like pop culture. Um, action figures and and t-shirts and stuff that just you can't you can't have a a multi-billion dollar business off of that and i think the market cap today is like 500 million dollars and they're trying they're closing down thousands of stores and they got new ceos in there and they're trying to go into esports supposedly and i just it's just a fail it's just it's it's sad and it's unfortunate i loved gamestop as a kid do i want to see it fail heck no but is it going to? Yeah, it's going to. And that's just the way the world, the world works. You, you get with the program or you get left behind. And, and weirdly enough, we're going through a, a really interesting internet revolution where everything that we used to know is now, is now changed. And, um, but 
fundamentally in a recession, the companies you're investing in, when you buy VTSAX, a Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, if you buy that index fund, you're investing in the total stock market. That fund is made up like 20% of that is Google, Facebook, Alphabet, um, well, Google is Alphabet, Facebook, Alphabet, um, Amazon, Microsoft, and a couple others. That is like the entire, almost the entire like fund. And then the rest is like 3,500 other stocks. Um, and so those companies, yeah, they're going to see a reduction in value, but are they, are they really that much less valuable in the short term? Yeah, but not in the long term. They're the same company. They still have the same IP. They still own the same stuff. Google still owns the largest search engine uh, in the world and on, uh, you know, on the planet. And um, you know, Alphabet still an Alphabet. Apple still has one of the largest fan bases of their product out of any product ever in the history of man. That doesn't change. That hasn't changed. Um, and so, really, if you're buying them at a discount, it's not going to go to zero. You're not going to see Amazon go to zero. Um, it's just it's just one of those things you got to think logically and, and remove the fear and remove the emotion and that's why dollar cost averaging is so powerful is because it really removes a lot of that emotion buying an index fund uh, consistently every month uh, reduces almost all the human emotion out of it you know that it's just what you do no matter what the weather is outside whether it's good bad or indifferent you're gonna do the same thing and maybe you might increase your contribution if the market goes down so you can buy a little bit more and get a little bit of that uh, capitalize a little bit out of that um, but that's the gist. That's I really uh, got a little long-winded there. Um, but um, here's a couple of tips for you: how to recession-proof your finances. Um, it's really the steps to fire um, in a roundabout way. But it's get, getting rid of debt, all of it, uh, especially your high-interest debt. Don't hold credit card debt going into a recession. We don't know when the recession is going to happen, so it's probably a great practice to just not hold credit card debt. Uh, don't take on any new debt. Don't go out and buy a bunch of cars, big fancy cars. Don't go buy a new Tesla. Um, if you think a recession's coming in the next one to three years, I uh, probably wouldn't get overextended in real estate or do a lot of those things uh, if you d really don't know exactly what you're doing. Definitely have an emergency fund in place. I would say at least six months. We like to keep uh, $10,000 in our emergency fund, and we have access to other funds. It's just not as liquid as having cash in the bank, um, but we also like to have our money at work. Um, and so you, all this is based on your own tolerance, but uh, whatever helps you sleep at night, definitely keep more cash if that helps you sleep at night. Um, but uh, also diversify your investments like index funds, real estate bonds, um, whatever works for you. Obviously, a disclaimer here, you know, make all any investment decision you make is your own and you should probably consult with a certified financial planner before making any decision for you or your family in the stock market. Um, also, um, the, other, the last thing I want to say is capitalizing on other people's misfortune. So a lot of people want to say, how dare people who made money in the Great Recession? How dare you do that? How dare you, you know, capitalize on people that are losing their jobs, people that are coming homeless, people that are going bankrupt? How dare you make money off of that? And yeah, I mean, there are people in Wall Street that probably did some unsavory things to either cause that or to well, government to cause that or, um, you know, whatever, whatever was put in play for that to happen, the Great Recession, um, probably wasn't so great and they shouldn't have done it. But people that invested more and bought during uh, when, you know, when prices are low, they shouldn't be shamed or held accountable for anything other than the fact that like they were in a good position and they took care of their finances to where they could capitalize on it. And it's people like them that help the market recover. If nobody's willing to ever buy the stock again or companies again or the economy again, it'll never recover. Right. Nobody would be able to nobody would be able to sell. Nobody would be able to, you know, um, the mark. There wouldn't be a market. 
and so thankful for people who were able to invest and find help find the bottom of the uh, the Great Recession and help it recover back to where it was, and then everyone buying it on the way back up. You know, just push the push the recovery and made that happen. Um, so for people to say that is just ignorant, and I think it's stupid. Um, and uh, you should put yourself in a good financial position to um, help yourself back out of the recession and uh, make some money out of it. Um, and recessions suck. You know, there's a lot of fear. There's more greed. There's more disease and death. That's all been proven. Like recessions are a time of, of sadness, <laughs> a time of negativity. And um, I think we're more likely to be the target of terrorist attacks when everyone knows we're going through a, um, a recession in the market. It's just a very vulnerable time for everybody. Um, but if you can be that, uh, if you can take care of yourself and your family unit, um, and you have that knowledge now and, um, you know, that's all the knowledge is out there for you to be able to do that. And really the basics are so simple. It's just being responsible with your money, saving, having an emergency fund, not taking on too much or any debt and, uh, possibly capitalizing if the opportunity presents itself. So I don't know if a recession's coming in 2020. I don't want to be that person that, you know, calls for doomsday every, every year. But, um, I think that one is coming. It's more likely than not that we'll have one in the next one to three, four years. Um, and I think that, uh, I think you have plenty of time to get yourself prepared for it and, uh, do what you can do and, uh, you know, maybe teach somebody else along the way. Thank you so much for spending time, uh, listening to this podcast. Um, if you do like what I'm doing here, um, give me some feedback, leave me some comments, uh, rate the, rate the podcast, come to my website, firethefamily.com, leave me some comments, read some of my blog posts. I've got some resources. I've got a fire calculator. I've got a fire flow chart so you can see the, the steps to the financial independence, retire early movement. I've got a checklist. If you want to talk with your spouse about financial independence while, or just or just finances in general. Um, I've got some resources. I'm writing an ebook right now. So if you want that for free, um, all you need to do is, is uh, give me your email address on my website and I will send you a, uh, a coupon code for that. Um, I've got a bunch of books that are I reference and then some apps that I use. And def- the apps are not affiliate links. I'm not an affiliate for any of these apps. Um, and that is because um, I truly believe in them. And I think that uh, by being an affiliate of them, I might devalue my, uh, my recommendation. So I appreciate you and thank you so much for listening and I hope you're having a great time. Uh, Whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're commuting or you're exercising or you're vacuuming the house, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, Again, this is Nick with firethefamily.com.